Hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks for listening to You Had Me at Black. Today, Alex from Minnesota tells us about the afternoon when a friend's outfit choice ultimately lands her in the backseat of a cop car. Her story raises questions about the trade-offs between self-defense and the safety of your body. Stay tuned to hear more. This is You Had Me at Black, the podcast where black millennials tell true life stories. So it was a glorious day in Oakland, and we were celebrating one of my closest friend's birthdays on the waterfront at a barbecue. Sunny, everyone was just in their vibe, in their groove. And afterwards, two of my girlfriends and I decided to kind of make a detour and go to somewhere chill just to grab some drinks. So we headed to Telegraph and rolled the dice with a place we found on Yelp called The Layover. Looked like an unpretentious place. It was kind of like a dive bar. And um, when we got to the door, we were greeted well by the staff at the door and entered and bought our drinks and went to the dance floor. You know, minding our business, dancing, taking selfies, just enjoying each other's company. And it was pretty empty. And I think we were the only black patrons there. So we weren't that surprised by it based on the fact that we were in Oakland and San Francisco, which were pretty rapidly gentrifying. So it's nothing new to us to be the only black people in the the room. But we had been there about a half hour when a bartender walked over to my friend, my youngest friend, and approached her and said something quietly and then rushed away and went back to the bar. And I saw my friend's smile fade. And I'm just curious, like, what could she have possibly said that would make my friend frown? So I asked her, what did she say? She said, she told me I had to leave based on what I'm wearing. And we were all confused because she was wearing a crop top and a high-waist long maxi skirt almost to her ankles, kind of like a hippie vibe, like a loose dress that she had been wearing at the waterfront barbecue. And so I'm I'm wondering, like, man, maybe we're not dressed up enough or something. Like, I'm trying to think how we could possibly be out of dress code. So I went to the bar with the intention of asking the bartender to kind of clarify how we possibly could be out of dress code. So when I spoke to her, she told me pretty forcefully, actually, which I was surprised by, that she knows what a crop top is, and that's not it. And my friend was showing entirely too much skin and needed to leave now. And from my perspective, I'm just like, I mean, not only did I think she was out of line just based on her assessment of my friend's clothing, but number one, if we were out of dress code, I would hope you would tell us that at the door and before we spent our money on drinks. So that was number one. And then number two, just the situation was such a microcosm of a lot of the things that women go through generally. I've seen women be turned away from being not sexy enough. And now she's telling us we're too sexy. So it just really spoke to the commodification of women's bodies and how it's not about what we want to wear. It's about how people want to consume what we're wearing. You know, don't be too sexy. Don't be too ugly. Fit somewhere squarely in the way that we want to perceive your appearance. I mean, it was just frustrating. It was so I told her I thought it was bad business and I told her why I was frustrated by it. She gestured to the bartender. I was like, come get her. And mind you, you know, I would have left on my own accord. I think it was clear we weren't wanted and so I was by the door anyways but my girls were starting to approach the bar because they saw that there was an issue so they're like okay let's just drink our drinks really quickly and before they could the bartender walked over and snatched the drink out of their hands and pushed one of them out the door and you know she had 
gestured for the bouncer to grab me and take me out of the bar. And it was interesting because he was about 325 pounds, like at least. And I'm about 5'5", five, five, like 125. So he looked at me. He like hesitated for a second. And then he grabbed me and he picked me up and he carried me through the door. And, you know, while he's manhandling me, I'm like trying to get him off of me. I'm fighting. And he threw me like full force into a metal barricade that holds the line where people are waiting to enter. Since it wasn't bolted to the ground, it fell over. I fell on top of it. And I look back and the whole door staff and the bouncer all have their phones out and they're recording. They're laughing and they're taking video recording of it. And my friends are, like, yelling, and we're all upset. And I get up, and we went across the street to gather ourselves and call the cops because, obviously, I mean, that's assault, and it was unwarranted. So we went across the street, and we were actually joined by two white women who had been in the bar with us at the same time who told us, we saw what happened. I can't imagine what could have possibly warranted that kind of violence, and it made us really uncomfortable. So we're here if you need any witnesses when the cops come, like, we're here, we'll stay with you, and here's my card just for the future, like, just so you have our contact information. So the cops showed up, but unfortunately it was the crew that they had called and told falsely that we had started an altercation. So the cops took my statement. I'm standing in front of the squad car with the cop, and once he finishes, he walks away. And so I walk towards my friends right behind the police car. So I'm making, like, a half circle around the police car and all of a sudden the cop shouts at me like stay where you are like don't move and I'm like wait hold on like I'm not under arrest like I called the cops I'm the one who was assaulted why are you trying to control me like just explaining hey I'm just going to be my my friend you took my statement like do you need anything else from me and you know because I wasn't following his direction to go back in front of the car instead of behind it he runs up on me like pushes me up against the police squad car puts my hands behind my back and cuffs me. And at this point, my girls start recording the incident as well. And the whole time he's telling me, but I think really the body cam he was wearing, that he's cuffing me because it's for my own safety and I'm too close to traffic. I was equidistant to traffic based on, you know, I was in the front of the car and I went to the back of the car. I'm thinking is if I'm too close to traffic, then my friends were too close to traffic when I went to go be by them, but you didn't say anything to them. So obviously you're trying to control me and, and discredit me by cuffing me and putting me in the back of the car. And they put a camera on like the, the back of the headrest that's facing me so that anything I do or say is going to be recorded. It was a hot night. The windows were all rolled up. And it was jarring just hearing your name over the police radio like, especially when you didn't do anything. So I'm sitting there thinking how quickly this escalated from me walking when he didn't want me to walk, and now I'm in the back of a squad car. And it just it made me think of all the other people that you know have had encounters and didn't even live to tell the tale. Like I thought about Sandra Bland and the fact that she stood up for herself, and she's not here anymore. And he asked me why I was upset. It was interesting because... I don't know why, but something made me want to, like, connect with him and be like, you don't see me, but, like, I see you. And it's crazy because I'm, I'm mixed, so half my family's white, half my family's black. And I was actually explaining this to him. Like, I actually have, like, white family members who are police officers. Like, I actually understand you, but you don't understand why I could be upset by being handcuffed and put in the back of a squad car for actually no reason. Like, I'm looking at you like you look like my uncle, and he's looking at me like you look like nobody I know. 
and he was applying a disproportionate amount of force for what the situation called for and for him not to understand how that's traumatic for me as a black woman I think is really telling of how disconnected maybe some of our authority figures are from from their own power and I was there for about a half hour before he came back he opened the door up and was like if you press charges the bar is probably going to press charges so you probably don't want to do that and at this point, I'm kind of, like, thankful I still have my body. Like, I'm thankful that, you know, I, I'm still safe. I still have my life. And I just kind of wanted to get out of there. So, you know, I went with it. And I was like, okay. So he uncuffed me, and I went about my way. I mean, it, what was disappointing for me is that because of that, no one ever got to talk to our witnesses. And, you know, they had, like, intentionally stayed behind so they'd be able to talk to the cops. So there's definitely a side of the narrative that never got captured. But I think for me, like, this scenario just brought up a lot of different questions that I've had that have always kind of been bubbling under the surface. I mean, how easily, like, interactions with authority can devolve when you question them, when it becomes a matter of pride for police officers. And we're not expected to question authority, period. When you are faced with violence like that, do you stand up for yourself or do you prioritize your safety? So there were some people who, like you said, were like, hey, chill. Like, don't say anything. Just leave. And I'm like, okay. Like, yeah, there's a case for that. And there's a case for your safety. There's also a case for, like, if no one ever says anything, it's just going to happen to everybody. So somebody has to say something at some point. And it has to change somehow. So I don't think I would respect myself if I didn't. And I was thinking about how when I told this story, at least half of the people have said, you know, you probably can't push it. You probably can't press charges based on where you work and what you do. I do public relations. So any media that's not strategic is a bad thing. And then on a more local scale, like what happened to Oakland? Like what happens when gentrifiers move in and bring their racism with them? I mean, I can't ride the BART without thinking about Oscar Grant, and I never could. But now I've just had my own personal experience and seen how bodies can be taken just for asking questions. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, visit youadmeatblack.com slash review to leave a review and subscribe.